Well, all right. How's everybody out there doing today? I'm Don Ratkowski, and welcome to the Protection Plus Tactics podcast. I'm a former Marine. I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps, also a combat veteran, decorated. I've got a lot of opinions, and that's what I'm here is to share my opinions. And today we're going to continue talking about some of the things that are going on here in the United States. And one of the things we're going to talk about is with the loosening up of the stay-at-home order. A lot of people, a lot of people now are being asked to go back to work. And it's kind of interesting if you take a look at a lot of the articles that are being written right now. Uh, you're going to see a lot of discussion about what it means to go back to work for a lot of people. And when I think about this, you know, it's like, well, we were divided into essential, non-essential overnight. And a lot of people that were considered essential continued to work. And we referred to them as the frontline people during this uh, pandemic. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people were laid off, furloughed, uh, and uh, they've been collecting unemployment. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is with the federal relief, part of the relief is there's an extra $600 a week for a lot of people. And that's a significant amount of money. And when we take a look at some of the you know, statistics on that, uh, some of the economists at University of Chicago estimate that more than two thirds of unemployed people are currently making more money with the benefits than they were actually working on average 42% more. Now that's a lot more money for a lot of people. So it makes sense to me that a lot of people are not in a hurry to go back to work. And as I read some of these articles, I see that, you know, there's a preschool teacher in uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Lainey Morse, when interviewed, she said she doesn't want to go back to work. And she was quoted as saying, and she works in a preschool. So, you know, daycare preschool facility. And her concern was they always have snotty faces. It's just one cold after another. And then she also added, you know, it's, it, it feels scary to go back to that. And then added also, it's kind of terrible to say, but we're all doing better now. It's hard to think about going back to work and getting paid less. So a lot of people are being faced with that dilemma. And so a lot of people are choosing not to go back to work. And now here's some of the mandates listed by the government. And it's, it's interesting because uh, if you go to the, uh, you know, uh, the Consumer Reports website, they're stating on there and, you know, telling you, here's some things that you need to ask before you go back to work. Uh, one thing is, will social distancing be practiced? What additional precautions are being taken to ensure, you know, the COVID prevention? Uh, will... Pre- Protective equipment be provided by the employer. What is the procedure for symptomatic employees? Can you telecommute or telework? These are some of the questions that are being out there. And in a lot of cases, in some of the other states, uh, a lot of them are saying you don't have to go back to work, even if your employer asks you to, if some of these conditions aren't met. And when I think about that, it's it's interesting because. Now they're encouraging people not to work and it's just damaging the economy more and more and more. And I get it. People don't want to give up. You know, they're making more money, but that's a limited time. And so what's the long term effects of that? that? That's kind of an interesting thing. And I'm going to go right back to some of these numbers that we're putting out there and some of the things that um, when we talk about, you know, 
what is actually happening, really the death toll on this virus is, is, you know, no worse than the flu in most cases. You know, a a heavy case of the influenza has a serious death toll. And now we've shut down our entire economy for this. So as people are, you know, wrestling with these, you know, do I have to go back to work? Should I go back to work? Am I endangering my family? All these different things. Just to ask yourself, I, I, I'm still struggling at this point. I, I absolutely, here we are. This is, you know, we're, we're at the, almost at the end of May. And I still have yet to meet one person. I don't know anybody who has the virus. Uh, I, I still don't know. I haven't met anybody who even knows anybody with the virus. And I'm in Northern California. Maybe we're, you know, doing better than other places. But as I look at some of the statistics and numbers out there, it, it's scary in the fact that if we take a look at some of the, you know, blue states, Democratic states, what I want you to take a look at is we've got New York, 23,083 cases. Uh, New Jersey, 10,843 cases. Pennsylvania, 4,624 Uh, And now these are deaths. These are deaths. But the highest death rate is in New York. Right behind is New Jersey. Then we've got Pennsylvania and Michigan uh, at 5129. But the total is 43,679 dead in those blue states. And then we look at the, you know, some of the red states, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Ohio. We've got 2,144 dead in Florida, 1,369 in Texas, 1,754 in Ohio in Georgia and 1,720 in Ohio for a total of 6,987. Now that is, those red states, Florida, Texas, Georgia, and Ohio have 72.79 million uh, people living within those states. When we talk about, and that's more than when we talk about New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, who have 51.11 million. Now, maybe they're more condensed in some areas, but here's what I believe. And I understand why a lot of workers, especially in the healthcare industry, a lot of them are, are hesitant to go back to work. When we see some of the tactics that were employed by some of the governors of these blue states. So both New York and New Jersey, with the highest death totals, were both quick to start admitting positively tested coronavirus patients into healthcare facilities. This was done by offering money to these uh, senior care facilities that would take in COVID patients. So they, they started saying, hey, if you take these patients, we'll give you money. Now, what had happened is now we got Governor Andrew uh, Como of New York, and then we've got uh, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. Both of them have been issuing identical memorandums, identical procedures. Everything is identical, right? Almost down to the wording of and the timing. Within one day of each other, they, they back each other's play. So both of these uh, governors started putting COVID patients into senior care facilities. And what's scary about that is that now they have the highest death totals and it is mostly because of the senior care facilities. So looking at it, um, just the deaths in the senior care facilities in New York and New Jersey are totaling more than the combined deaths of Florida, Texas, Georgia, and Ohio, the entire combined deaths of the states. Just the people dying in the senior care centers in in New York and New Jersey. So... If you're going to elect a governor that wants to do this, these kind of things, and if you 
think, well, it made sense. I don't see how it makes sense to endanger those people. These are the people we were supposed to be protecting by quarantining ourselves, is the elderly, the people who are high risk. And yet we put people into high risk uh, senior care facilities with the COVID virus. There, there's lawsuits coming out now uh, as a result of that practice. Um, you know, both governors have said, well, maybe it wasn't the greatest idea. Uh, both of them been quoted saying that. But the reality is that's how they pumped up these numbers. And I really believe that it was a um, planned effort to really pump up the death numbers for the coronavirus to keep these keep us locked down, keep us uh, in, in a, living in a state of fear so that we can they can declare states of emergency and all these other things and defund retirements, which is happening in, in a lot of uh, these blue states. Uh, start threatening people with the, you know, cure the vaccination. If you don't get it, you're going to lose your utilities. You won't get water. You won't get electricity. Those types of things. These, these Go out there and look. I'm not making this stuff up. I, you know, I can't even imagine this stuff, let alone make it up. So if you take a good look at what's happening out there, you're going to see without question that this was an attempt to inflate the death numbers, the death totals, to keep the nation in panic, to do these things. And I don't agree with it. I don't like it. And as we look at people trying to go back to work, now they're afraid to go back to work. And we've incentivized, we de-incentivized we de them, you know, by paying them more to stay home than to work. And that is going to have a future effect on our economy. Uh, people will get used to that extra money. They'll somehow want that extra money. And I, I don't know and if they're getting it for not working, who knows how much harder they're willing to work for less money. That's the reality of what we're looking at. So I want to, you know, continue to talk about a, a lot of the decisions that are being made by our government. And when we think about this, you know, they're offering money to, to senior care facilities to take in COVID patients. And, uh, you know, in some of the articles and, and that were written, and you can, you know, read them, Huffington Post, Washington Post, New York Post, all of them, go out there, look, look on the internet. You're going to see that a lot of these uh, senior care facilities were actually afraid to go against the governor for fear of, you know, being banned, flagged, whatever you want to call it, where they would, you know, now, you know, suffer the wrath of the governor. So, and these are, you know, articles are coming out, and I want people to take a good look at that and read up on these things, understand how these things are happening and what we can do to prevent that. And I think the biggest thing that we can do to prevent that is begin to question the leadership at some of the local government, state and local uh, agencies. So, you know, the governors, you know, the president left it up to the states to handle this. And you see the complete difference between the, the way the red and blue states are handling this. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I, I don't agree with what's happening in California where I live. Um, and I, I really believe it has a lot to do with the uh, greedy people being in the wrong positions in the government. And so as we look at that and we look at the money that's being made and their net value and worth going up, you know, from the time they go into office, to the time they leave office, how are they making that much money when they're not supposed to be taking advantage of the, of us? They're, they're not supposed to be taking advantage of their position. No insider trading, no, none of these other things, but yet they still continue to do it. They still continue to make money at our expense to really you know, further their agendas. And I don't think people are realizing the, you know, the correlation between, you know, the divide in income and also the loss of our rights in a lot of these states. So 
take a good look. If you live in one of the blue states and you're not satisfied with the way your leadership is handling this, then you need to speak up. You need to do something. I spoke in yesterday's podcast telling people, you know, Memorial Day, uh, if you really want to observe Memorial Day, then get out there and write a letter. As I said before, they don't have to respond to your emails, but you hand write a letter, put a stamp on it, stick it in there. They have to respond to that. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. It was, uh, you know, this was law. It was written a long time ago. Uh, only when everything changed to internet, they didn't adapt the law to that. So they don't have to respond to your emails, but they do have to respond to your le- handwritten letters. So please do that. Write these letters. Let them know. And and talk to your friends. Talk to your families. Talk to the people that are close to you and, and find out how they feel about these things. Now it's the time to have these polit- political discussions. <clears throat> I know... You know, a lot of people always say, well, you know, let's not talk politics. Well, guess what? Our nation's crumbling around us, and uh, I think it's time to start talking politics, to start really having engaged conversations with people uh, and, and try to make some changes. It has to change. We have to change the way things are being done. Like I said, these numbers are, 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 are real numbers, and if you take a look at it, how, how are we coming up with these numbers? Well, take a look at it. Take a look at it. Take a look at what some of these governors did. It's, it, it, it is appalling, to say the least. Taking COVID patients and putting them in senior care facilities. It, it's downright ridiculous. You've read the articles. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you're out there. You got your nose to the ground. You're listening to what's going on out there. You're, you're, you're receptive to the information that's flowing around us. I think you continue to look even deeper and harder and try and have conversations, meaningful conversations with people. Try to, you know, communicate your point intelligently. I'm not talking about violence here. That's not what I'm talking about. I know I'm a Marine and I teach people to defend themselves and it's what we do. But you've got to have, you know, your life worth defending when we talk about how hard you work all your life for your retirement and everything else. And when you start to lose those things, uh, it's, you know, it's the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. There's so many small businesses out there right now. I I look at this, they're not getting aid. They're not getting enough help to be able to last uh, through this. And a lot of businesses are shutting down. Yes, we've got plenty of people making extra money from unemployment, but unfortunately, a small business owner cannot claim unemployment. And the relief fund, it didn't go very far. I'm a small business owner. I'll tell you this right now. Uh, I filed the day it was available, and have, and here we are uh, almost uh, to June, end of May, and I, I've not received anything. Of course, I am in a, a you know what would be perceived as a uh, you know non-essential type of business, but the reality is you know, small businesses of all kinds, nail salons, hair salons, massage therapists, all kinds of people are not able to make money. They will not make it four months. We're going on four months now into June. Uh, A lot of these companies will never be seen again. A lot of the people they employed will never have the opportunity to go back to work there again. These are the real facts. These are the hard facts. These are the things that you need to take a look at. Uh, I've I've got some friends, uh, you know, half their family, over half their family laid off. You know, the wife's laid off, uh, daughter's laid off, son's laid off, uh, you know, can't get work, have to drop out of college, all kinds of things. We're looking at, you know, changes in the schedules. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, high school athletes and college athletes that won't have this year to compete for their opportunities. It's all being taken away and it's being taken away under the guise of fear. They, they want you afraid. Now you're afraid. I'll tell you, like I keep saying, the boogeyman's under every bed. 
if you're afraid of him. If you're afraid of the boogeyman, he's around every corner and under every bed and in every closet. And that makes you fearful. And right now, a lot of people are afraid of something they can't see, can't touch, can't even relate to in any way. All we have to do is read numbers. The numbers we know are false, fake. We know that they're counting COVID deaths that don't. And then, at the same time, they're doing everything they can to give to make actual deaths. And, and to me, it does not take a genius. It does not take a rocket scientist. It takes anybody with a fifth grade education to know that when you're sick, you isolate from other people. And for a governor to say, we're going to put COVID patients in senior care facilities so we don't burden hospitals, that, that was false. It wasn't because they didn't want to burden hospitals. That's not the case. It, 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 these policies are out there to create and wreak havoc. I, I, I'm sitting here and, and I, I want to read something to you. I think it's pretty amazing when I look at it. Uh, the reality is this, um, you know, we live in Northern California up here and, and, and there's lots of, you know, different things happening all over the, you know, in Northern California and everything and, and, and everywhere. But, you know, we can't even lock people up. We cannot even lock people up. Uh, I'm going to read an article that just came out. Uh, yesterday, this is from the Placer County Sheriff's Office, um, Northern California, Northern Auburn. Uh, just after midnight, early Monday morning, our graveyard shift deputies initiated a traffic stop on a vehicle with suspended and expired vehicle registration in Auburn. The driver of the vehicle refused to pull over and a pursuit was initiated. The pursuit spanned from Auburn to Forest Hill where a vehicle spike strip was successfully deployed to bring an end to the pursuit. The driver, identified as 34-year-old Kevin Grunbach of Novato, was arrested and charged with felony evading. Grunbach was released from jail several hours later under the emergency bail schedule, zero bail order. Shortly after his release, Grunbach walked across the street from the Auburn jail and confronted a citizen sitting in his vehicle. Grunbach forced open the passenger door and got into the occupied vehicle, frightening the driver. The same graveyard shift deputies responded, and once again, Grunbach was uncooperative with the deputies. He was arrested and booked into jail a second time for charges of vehicle tampering and resisting arrest. Grunbach was released again several hours later due to the emergency bail schedule. This is from the Placer County Sheriff's website. These are the conditions that are being mandated by our governor and politicians. This has to change. We are locking people up for opening their businesses and taking people who are committing these type of crimes and they're being released a couple hours later because of the zero bail that makes no sense to me i hope it doesn't make sense to you if it makes sense to you i don't understand it you really need to think about that because this is not how this country is supposed to be run and what we're seeing is honestly and i i i I, you know i i don't know how else to put this but literally there are idiots at the helm they're, they're making policy and dictating our future and dictating what's happening to us. And they're making decisions like this. Oh, well, we don't want to overcrowd the jails. We don't want COVID to spread in the jails. No, we don't. We want criminals on the streets committing felonious acts. This is insane. But this is where we're at. This is the day. And this is why I'm telling you, you need to pick things up. Pick up what I'm putting down. Start having conversations. 
Start contacting your leaders. Start contacting these politicians. This is what needs to happen. I hope I can encourage everyone who listens to this to share this podcast and everyone who listens to it to do something. This is an effort on my part to help educate people, make people aware of things maybe they don't want to be aware of. I get it. It's easy to put your head in the sand when things get bad. But I'll tell you, as a Marine, that never works. That never works. Somebody will cool, pull your head out of the sand and do what they want with you. You need to adopt a sense of preservation. You need to understand that what you're preserving is your rights and the rights of your children and future generations. Preserving your future because these $600 checks are going to go away fast. And when they do, there's not going to be anything for you. You'll lose your home. Think about all the small business owners, kids not able to go to college now that they were putting through college. Mortgages that are not getting paid. They're going to lose their homes. They've lost their business, their ability to generate income, the American dream. And now they're losing their homes. Their children's education will suffer. It's all about providing, making sure your children have a better future than you had. And that's not happening right now. That is not happening right now. And I'm, I'm really calling on all of you, everyone who hears my voice, to make a change. You've got to make a change. We have got to make some changes. I'll see everybody again tomorrow. Well, I won't see you, but I'll definitely be talking again tomorrow. And I hope that everybody who enjoys listening to this podcast tunes in again tomorrow. We're going to be talking about more things that we've got coming up. I've got some good stuff on the agenda that we're going to be talking about. More of it has to do with uh, some of the, the crimes that are being taken place and how you can protect yourself from those type of things. Uh, a couple things you can do to better uh, protect your home, secure your home, and also some things that you can do to secure your future. So I hope everybody out there is doing as well as they can, as great as possible. This is a great nation. This is a great planet. There's so many wonderful things. We need to protect them. Have a great day, everybody. Remember, protection plus tactics. Come to train, train to live. Bye now.